Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. So today we're in our last installment of a series called Follow the Goose, and we've been using the uh, Celtic symbol for the Holy Spirit, the wild goose, in this series. And uh, so today what I want to do is just kind of give a summary view of the golden egg, the treasure that when we learn to follow the Holy Spirit well becomes the treasure that is worth giving our life for. This process has been uh, really challenging and interesting to me. I hope it's been that same way for you. I've loved, uh, had a lot of fun with the titling of the messages. Uh, we've had some, some laughable messages titles, and we've had some, uh, sorry, we had one bordering on irreverent a few weeks ago, but I just thought it was too funny and had to use it. And the ones that didn't make the cut, we had a whole lot of t- fun brainstorming in staff how to get messages titled around the goose in this. I've also loved in this series... How many of you have Facebooked about this or come and talk to me about how throughout your week you've actually run into real live geese and God's used them to speak to you and remind you of what he wants to do in your life. Uh, we had uh, one of those moments in one of my uh, early in this series that I saved for today to share with you. One of my favorite things each week is ESPN's not top 10 list. How about you? Anybody else like that? That's one of my favorite things to watch every week on April 19th, the goose made the not top 10. Here it is. I love it. This series has been all about what goose do we want to follow? Do we want to follow the cooked goose? Do we want to follow a goose that's just merely a picture on the wall or an idea in a book? Or do we want to follow the real, live, vibrant, powerfully at work in our present day Holy Spirit that's with us today? And uh, really what it's all been about is trying to describe in this series the difference between this powerful, vital, colorful adventure that following Jesus is when we are under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in relationship with Him versus the all too often religious stuff that we, that we all get caught in from time to time. This, this work hard, hope for the best, this dry guilt-laden life of self-improvement that we sometimes in its aberrant form call Christianity and church in America today. So today, whether you're here and you're convinced about who Jesus is and you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're here and you're unconvinced but you're interested in seeking Him and wanting to find out, is He really real? Can He be personal to me? Or whether you're just here today and you're not really interested in what I'm talking about, you're just here because you've got a spouse or you've got a friend and you come because you love them, it doesn't matter. The one thing I want all of us to walk away with continually, and especially through this series, I want to be more deeply ingrained with us. And we talk about it all the time, but we talk about it all the time because it's something that's so hard for us to get, that this Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing, is all about relationship. And the central aspect of that relationship with God hinges on this person of the Holy Spirit and our relationship and understanding of the Holy Spirit being real in our life. The Holy Spirit's not a peripheral thing for us. It has to be the very center of our walk. 
And what the Bible teaches about what the Holy Spirit does in terms of leading us, in terms of comforting us, in terms of counseling us, uh, what it teaches us in terms of giving us gifts of, of dreams and visions to understand what He wants to do or, or to tell other people how God is thinking about them or whether He wants to give us gifts of healing for our, ourselves or others, whether it's emotional or physical, it doesn't matter whether He wants to do miracles through us or provide in amazing ways for us or whether He wants to give us a gift of prophecy for ourselves or for someone else to let somebody know that God is real or a word of wisdom or word of knowledge or discerning of spirits. This is the stuff that God wants all of us to experience. Are you expecting to experience that is the question that I think I've been asking myself and all of us in this series because God is inviting us to expect that kind of a dynamic relationship with Him. I mean, the Bible teaches that God wants to pour out His Spirit, it says, on all flesh. Not just a few, not just a few spiritual, but every single one of you, all of us here, He wants to pour out His Spirit on. He wants us to know His presence. He wants us to understand His power with us. He wants us to have this sense of conviction in our life that the Holy Spirit brings. And it's not the negative kind that we so often think about. We think, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to convict us and tell us how bad we are. No, the conviction is the conviction, the positive, confident conviction that He wants to bring to our life that we understand with clarity who He is, what's right, what's wrong, what's best, what's not best, what's healthiest for us, what our purpose is. He wants all of the decisions we face to have this sense of confident conviction, this clarity in life. That's what He wants us to experience. And if you're here today and you're unconvinced about Jesus, unconvinced about this faith thing, then the point of this for you is a lot of times, I know for me before I was convinced, and a lot of people I know before they were convinced, seek out their decision of faith based upon trying to get all these questions answered. And we try to get past all these rational objections that we have in life. But that's not the way we seek a living God primarily. The way we seek a living God primarily is to find out, are you real? Because all of us know rationally in our minds, that if Jesus is who he says he is, if he's the God of the universe, the one and only God, the creator of all, and we can experience that he's real, then it doesn't really matter that much about other objections and questions that we have. We know that the only rational choice is to choose to follow God if he's real, right? We all know that. Uh, if you are in that category right now of seeking and unsure, and I'm glad you're here with us, I hope it, you'll stick with us as long as it takes for you to experience God and become convinced. But we're going to have something coming up in the fall, details to be announced later, called Seek Groups. And they're an opportunity for you, if you're unconvinced, to get together with other people who are unconvinced. And yes, we're going we're gonna to address a lot of questions and talk about a lot of things and have a lot of dialogue around faith and Jesus and who that is. But... but it's also going to focus on teaching you to seek a real person. How do you 
find out whether he's real more than just find out the answers to your questions as you seek him. So I want to invite you to be a part of that. And I know as well that many of you have talked about uh, how much impact this series has made on your life because a lot of churches that you've been in have never really talked that much about the Holy Spirit. And so I've even had the request to put together a compilation CD of all the messages and we're going to work on that. That'll probably take us a couple weeks to do because it's a little bit longer task than you probably would think it is. Um, but we're going to work on that. But also, if you're wanting to grow more, if you're in that position where you're going, I, I feel like I'm beginning to understand that God is real and He is gifting me, He is speaking to me, and I'm trying to figure out this whole presence thing and how to know Him, but you want some more coaching in that, then uh, Melissa Schaefer and Wendy, my wife, are going to start a group on July 31st at 7 p.m., and they'll let you know after that how long it's going to, how when it's going to meet but it's just it's not meant to compete with small your small group it's meant to be a place that if you just want to come and receive counsel receive coaching and experience and encounter god and learn to become more confident in that or maybe you're one who's been through this series and you're going i'm still not convinced that he's ever spoken to me this would be a great place for you to go because I guarantee he's, he's communicating with you. We're just not quite labeling what he's doing. And so just come to this. Uh, find a place where you can experiment, where you can ask questions, where you can encounter God, and where you can grow in confidence in that. Deal? Okay. So let's get to the illustration today. Uh, we're going to illustrate this golden egg through an illustration, at least one right here, that I've used about three and a half years ago. So for those of you that have seen this illustration before, you're probably going, well, why are you doing it again? It's a very simple illustration. It's not complex. But this illustration is one of those that, for me, has been a reorienting life picture because it's so powerful. When I, when I picture this, and, I, and every so often I'll just close my eyes and picture this when I'm struggling with my relationship with God, it, it reminds me of who God is to me. It, it reminds me of how I'm designed to relate to Him. And it, does, and it reminds me of the power of relationship with the real God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So let's just, let's just jump into it. Let's just say that this glass vase filled with water represents you, your life. Okay? And the Bible tells us that God created humanity. It created you and I. It created every single, God created every single one of us as the pinnacle of His creation. We're created in the image of God. And the Bible shows us and teaches us that the original creation, the way he created us, is very, very good. In original creation, we were meant to have this clarity of life around all the questions about what's going to satisfy the longings of our heart the most. What's going to bring the greatest joy to our, 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 our lives and our relationships? What the decisions and our purpose? All that was crystal clear in the creation. But then the Bible also talks about the fact that sin entered in to the world. And a lot of times when we talk about sin, it trips us up. Because we have this idea about sin that just doesn't quite match really what the Bible teaches about it. Sin is not this arbitrary test. This arbitrary decision that God has put in place. Now, you may agree with that. You may say God's not arbitrary, but many of us have said this. We've said, oh, that command in the Bible is kind of prudish. It's a little over the top. And, and we look at that, and when we, look, when we say that kind of thing, what we're really thinking is that God is arbitrary. 
And he's just doing this random thing to test us. And it's not really that important. In fact, a lot of times we think, oh, there's really not that good of a reason for that. And maybe even we think, I think God's withholding pleasure from me by asking me not to be a part of that or defining that as sin. But that's not God's definition of intent, a definition of sin at all. And it certainly is nowhere near the ballpark of reflecting accurately the heart intent of God and declaring something good, something sinful. You see, God created us all pure. He created us very good, intending for us to live with this clarity and life and purpose, like the purity of the clarity of this, that this water was before we started putting any drops in it. And whether it's our own sin or whether it's the sin of others around us, it clouds our life. It creates pain in our life. And even the small drops of sin, the things that we think are unimportant, minimal, not a big deal, they permeate our lives. And they corrupt much less when we have a pattern of sin that goes on and on and on and on in our life. It clouds our ability to see how we are really made and who we really are. It clouds our relationship with God. We can't see Him accurately. We put all sorts of colors on God's intent that oftentimes aren't very favorable to God. It clouds our relationships with others so that we can't see and act with the purity of love and kindness that we really want to towards others and that those close to us want us to as well. In fact, when we share who we are with others, we end up spilling out some of the junk in our life, and it, and it just taints all of our relationships. So the question is, how do we normally try to deal with sin? See, our natural reaction, I think, is we, we just identify the problem, right? We say, this is the problem, and I'm going to prevent that from getting in here. I'm going to keep it away. But there's a problem with that. Because whenever we stick something open over, over the opening to our life and close part of our life down, we not only protect ourselves from doing a sinful act, but we also cut part of ourselves off. Isn't it true that when we try to approach sin by saying, I'm just going to stay away from this stuff, that we also often say, I'm going to stay away from these people because they're too tempting to me, and, I can't, and we end up cutting off part of the relationship richness and the joy that God wants to bring into our lives at the same time that we try to avoid sin. And we eventually... We eventually get to the point, though, where we, we become confident, even if we should be or not. We become confident of the rules of right and wrong, the rules of sin and righteousness. And, and our other reaction then is, how do, we, how do we clean ourselves up? We become introspective. We become very, very focused and very intense. And we reach into our life and we start trying to get rid of the stuff. And we say, I don't want that in my life because we do see the damage of it. We see how it clouds our life, and we, we may see other people around us who have a little more clarity in that area of life. We go, I want to be like that, so let's get rid of this. And we just become very harsh on ourselves, very self-controlled, and extreme self-discipline in our lives. There's nothing wrong with self-discipline. Quite the contrary. It's something that's very, 
very good in our life. But when we do this kind of thing, we usually talk about it like a a friend of mine used to talk about it named Mark. Mark used to talk about this whole sin thing by saying, I work hard, I'm generous, I try not to do too much wrong, I do more good than I do bad. And, and, and he says, I give myself to others. I, I give of myself, I'm generous. I really work hard to give myself to others. And that should be good enough, right? Or we may talk about it like a conversation I had a few weeks ago where somebody was addressing faith and they were going, you know what, I, I gotta, before I can come to God, I, I don't look at all like Him. I gotta, I gotta clean myself up before I come to Him. And I can't come to Him until I'm cleaner. Or we may talk about it like many of us here talk about it. We look at this and we say, God, I don't look like you. You can't give me a spiritual gift. You can't, you can't give me a prophecy. You can't do healing through me. You, you, you couldn't make your presence known to me. I'm not, I'm not good enough. There's still too much muck in my life. And, and, and not, only, not only is there still mo- too much muck in my life, but I keep doing more. So I'm not worthy of the Holy Spirit to come and do these gifts that you've talked about in this series, Ross. I can't receive a gift of prophecy for someone else and give them something. Right? In Romans, the book of Romans, Paul addresses this whole approach. This whole approach which Jesus spends most of his ministry condemning as evil. This religious approach. He says when we try to define the rules, we try to define the laws of sin, and we try to clean ourselves up, this is the best that happens. I mean, yeah, so... I, I got rid of a little sin in my life, but now all this does is leave me dry and it leaves me empty. I can see maybe a little bit better. Life is just maybe a little more clearer here, but I'm just so dry. I'm so empty. And, and then when we get in this situation and we know the cost of sin and sin happens in our life, it hurts even more when we do sin. Is this the way to abundant life? The abundant life that the Bible talks about? That Jesus says He wants us to live in? Is this the life that the Holy Spirit wants us to experience? Is this how we live this Christian life? No. It's not even close to the abundant life. And yet many of us have lived this way. We've tried through self-discipline to be so good and we get so empty and so tired and then we look honestly at our life and even though there's some clarity up here we know what's still in our life and we know there's still a bunch of muck down there we just keep it down a little more we don't let it be seen as much and jesus describes the role of the holy spirit in this profound passage in John 7. And it starts off in the text saying this, and it says, On the last day of the feast, the great day. Now, the feast that Jesus is talking about here in, in, in the Jewish world is the, is the feast of Sukkot. And it's translated in two different ways for us, the feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles. And, and it just celebrates two, two primary things, really. The first one is it celebrates harvest, kind of like our Thanksgiving. 
And the other thing it celebrates is the fact that God provided for them while they were wandering 40 years in the wilderness. And even more importantly, it's a celebration of the fact that God brought them out of the wilderness into the promised land, flowing, as the Bible says, with milk and honey. And Jesus ties the meaning of this feast coming out of the barren wilderness into abundance, the fullness of promise, the completion of beauty and being home. Jesus ties that to the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in leading us in faith. And the text goes on and says, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us, comes when we follow Jesus to live in us. And it describes that life of God in us as something that bubbles out like this strong artesian well. Now, I'm not smart enough to figure out how to cut glass and put a hose in the bottom of it. And even if I was, I probably couldn't make it not leak. So just you'll have to deal with the, the hose coming in from the top today. Thanks, Jared. But Paul talks about this and summarize and, and if we were to summarize Romans 8, his great, his great chapter on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, if we were to summarize it, we could say it this way. Paul teaches us that the way to grow in freedom, the way to grow in, in purity, the way to find clarity in life about decisions, about everything that's good and healthy and right, is to learn to always be led by the overflowing work of the Holy Spirit. It's not our effort that brings the freedom and the purity. It's not our self-discipline that brings it. It's our ability to stay open and obedient to the Holy Spirit. But our natural tendency, our religious tendency in life when we sin is to hide. And so when we hide, good job, we cover ourselves. And it actually becomes really, really self-defeating because it doesn't give what we're hoping for. Is that what we want in life? Is that where we want to be? To cover up, to try to clean up before we open up to God? But all that does in our life is block the very life of God that He's trying to pour out in us. And it leaves us with a cloudy view of who God is. We think God's angry or disappointed or rejecting when He's not. That He's condemning us. Instead of seeing that the conviction He wants to bring is this conviction, this positive confidence of knowing how to live life healthy and good and best. Religion leaves us dry and empty and no better off. But opening and not quenching, not distancing ourselves from God clarifies, it heals, it refreshes our lives. You who are not convinced about faith in God yet, welcome. Keep searching. The primary focus, though, is not the questions. The primary focus for your seeking, if you want it to make a successful search, is to open your heart 
and begin to do the things as though God were real and going to speak to you. To learn to seek Him and to let Him prove whether He is really real, whether He does want to speak and communicate with you in this process. Our way to clarity is really surrendering and opening the overflow of what He has. And that clarity solidifies our identity. That clarity brings freedom to see and freedom to live life with just this beautiful, convinced confidence of right and wrong, of your purpose in life, and convinced, most importantly, that God really loves you, even right now, just the way you are. It's trying to float on you, isn't it? I'll let you stop so that it doesn't... We're going to prevent a disaster around electronics here. This one didn't float in the first service. You want to just take that out. You always have a little hiccup. We use a little more water this time than we used last time. But if we stop there in the illustration, it's beautiful, it's good, it's wonderful, but we miss a major portion of what the Holy Spirit came to be in our lives. Now, let's, let's get at the next point by starting this way. We all know it's natural for families to grow, right? We have kids, we grow, we multiply. God said to Adam and Eve, he said to Abraham, he said to each and every one of us, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Jesus says to us in John 15 that it is God's great joy, his tremendous pleasure that you, your life, would bear much fruit, that through your life, much goodness and clarity and beauty and life and faith would come to many people around you. And it's no accident that where he says that in John 15 is sandwiched between John 14 and John 16, because John 14 and John 16 are the two major discourses where Jesus tells us who the Holy Spirit is to us. Fruitfulness is all about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire. Acts 1.8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit gives us a desire and the power to connect others to God, not just me, you. It gives all of us that desire. Uh, Nicky Gumbel, in his book called Questions, uh, cites this playwright uh, named Murray Watts who tells a story about a young man convinced of Christianity. Uh, but this young man was paralyzed with fear. He wasn't sure he wanted to make the decision to follow Jesus. He wasn't sure he wanted to admit to being a Christian because he was afraid that if he did, he would be dubbed a religious fanatic and he would be ostracized. And he, it, it, it appalled him to feel that way and think that way. For many weeks, he tried to banish the thought of following Jesus and religion, but it was of no use. Every day, he felt like he, he had this whisper in his conscience that just over and over again said, follow me. And he could stand it no longer one day. So he went to a very old man, a man who had been a Christian for the best part of a century. And he sat down with the, the old man and, and told him of his nightmare and how terrible the burden of, of witnessing to Jesus was in him and how it had stopped him from becoming a Christian. And the man sighed and he shook his head and 
The old man said to the young man, he said, this is a, this is a matter between you and Christ. Why are you bringing all these other people into the equation? And the young man nodded slowly and listened, and the old man went on and said, go home. Go into your bedroom alone. Forget the world around you. Forget your family and make it a secret between you and God. And the young man felt a, a, a weight lift off his shoulders. And the old man spoke to him and, and he said to the old man, you mean I, I don't have to tell anyone about Jesus if I accept him and follow him? He said, no. No one at all? Not if you don't want to. Are you sure? Asked the young man beginning to tremble with anticipation about wanting to make this decision that he felt was right. Can this be right? The old man looked at him and said, it's right for you. So the young man went home, went to his bedroom. He kneeled down in prayer by his bed. He was beautifully converted to Christ, sensed his presence, repented. It was wonderful. And he immediately ran downstairs to his three friends, his wife and his dad, and said, do you realize you can be a Christian without telling anyone? That's kind of cute, but the point is when we experience the Holy Spirit, when we really move past religion and we experience the love of God poured out in our hearts, when we give up religion, we enter into that dynamic relationship of love with God through the Holy Spirit, we want to tell other people about this love. Being vessels of God, pouring His life through us to bring other people to faith in Him. We want to tell others. This is one of the main purposes that God has in giving us the Holy Spirit. And the reality is that when we quench that because of fear or whatever, the flow of the living water of the Holy Spirit coming out of us becomes restricted. It slows down because we're not responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then we sit here struggling with sin like we always do, right? The reality is we all do. And it's so easy for us to get to the point where we, we blame God for this. We get angry at God saying, why are you not answering? Why are things not clear for me anymore? And yet it's simply because we've quenched something. We've stopped being open. We've decided to be religious and and say, i got to clean myself up before I can do anything good, before I can tell anybody about faith, instead of just realizing all God wants us to do is tell the goodness of the story that He's doing in our life, regardless of how imperfect it is. In fact, here's one of the most freeing things about this visual for me and, and impacting me and making me feel better about the idea of sharing my faith with others is the reality is we're still sinning. And the reality is when we're overflowing and telling people about Christ, there's junk coming out too. We don't have to be these cleaned up persons. In fact, He doesn't ask us to be these cleaned up persons to say, be like me. It's not about me and our testimony to others. It's about the fact that even though I am often too much green in my life with envy or whatever it is, that God still loves me. God still comes to me. See, the message of the gospel is not about you and I. It's about the grace of God giving us His love, pouring out His love in our hearts in spite of the junk. 
And the reality is that the best part of some of our testimony is sharing the love of God even with the green stuff bleeding over and letting everybody else see the junk in our life. We don't hide the stuff in our life. We're just honest with it. Isn't there freedom in that? You don't have to hide the crud. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to be perfect to make a vital, deep impact on other people's lives. He wants to use you and work through your life so that others also come to that same conviction, that same positive confidence that God is loving and God is pursuing me now, not after I clean myself up. He loves me now. And He wants me to have a rich, full life. He doesn't want me, to be, want me to be stuck in this performance crap that leaves me dry and frustrated and I'm always failing and I look good on the outside, but I know down deep there's still crud there. He doesn't want any disconnect in that. He just wants us to be full and overflowing. And that's the beauty of the centrality of the Holy Spirit. See, the Spirit of God is the center of a faith-filled life of following Jesus. Not the Bible. The Bible teaches that the Spirit inspired the Bible. And the Spirit makes the Bible come alive to us because of real relationship. But it's the Holy Spirit that is central to our faith and following of Jesus as Christians. And yet it's often one of the most neglected topics. Because we so easily fall back into wanting to, approach, wanting to approach our faith like we approach our self-help book full of rules and wisdom instead of living in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. From Genesis 1 to the very end of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the central figure in our relationship with God. The, very fourth, the fourth to last verse in, in the Bible, Revelation twenty-two seventeen, says this, The Spirit of the Bride... The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, is not even sure, but wishes for something more, let him come and take the free gift of the water of life. The water of life is the Holy Spirit making Jesus real to us. If your faith is dry, if your faith is dead, if your faith is weak, if church is about logic and morals and being good, then the invitation today is to come and receive something so much more life-giving than that. If you've not made a decision to follow Jesus, then simply respond by turning to God and saying, I'm going to open. Come and show yourself real. And just repent of having to have all your questions answered because you're the authority, not God. You're smarter than God, right? That's, the, that's really what, it's really our pride that makes us have to have answers to our questions and keeps us from seeking this way. The question is not, can God be small enough to answer all of our questions? The question is, is He real? So open yourself to Him today. Repent, turn towards Him and say, I'm going to seek you differently and let Him convince you of His love and receive the promise of the free gift of the water of life. If you're a follower of Jesus today, 
and you're just in a dry place. You've fallen back into striving. You've fallen back into protection. You've fallen back into the guilt and shame of the fact that you've still got muck in your life or you've quenched off the Holy Spirit somewhere in your life because you know He's led you to do something and you haven't been willing to do it. You haven't responded. Or you've quenched the Holy Spirit and diminished the flow in His life because you're not willing to share the goodness of God, the stories of how beautiful He is in your life with other people. Then the invitation today is simply come. And repent of those things and say, God, I'm going to open up and let me just flow and let your stories and your presence and your power come however you want, regardless of how messy or good I am. Would you just come and flow through me? And look what the difference is. Look what the difference is. One person just overflowing with goodness, not trying to convince everybody, just sharing the love of God. We can change our world. Our world's not going to be changed by politics. It's not going to be changed by an argument. It's going to be changed by the Holy Spirit changing our hearts. It's going to be changed by the Holy Spirit being experienced in a way that everyone around us is convinced that God loves me. And I know that experience. That's the invitation today. So, if the worship team can come, we're going to do it this way. Come from that last verse. Come is an active word. So I'm going to ask for an active response today. I'm going to ask that if any of those things apply to you, if you've closed yourself off, if you've doubted the Holy Spirit, if you've said, I can't be used by you, I can't receive a gift by you because I'm not good enough, I'm not spiritual enough, or you've said, I'm not going to come to you, God, unless you answer all my questions, and I'm asking you to surrender all that, and I'm just asking you to open today. And I can't think of a better way than through communion. So as the, as the team, we've changed our service order around. As the team comes back and plays the next three, four songs, Come at any time during that time period and take communion. If you just feel like you need to pray about some stuff, feel free to kneel at the altar and pray. If you want somebody to pray for you, there will be several of us, staff and other prayer people, just kind of hanging out. We won't bother you unless you come and ask us to pray for you. But we would love to pray for you that the Holy Spirit would come and encounter you and just bless your life. So those invitations are all open. And let's just let me start this off by just praying for all of us. Lord, I know, I know with my life in particular that I still fall prey to the times when I try to hold you at a distance because I don't feel worthy. And I know many of us here, all of us here, struggle with that at times. I know that there are times in my life, and I know for all of us there are times in our lives where we feel like you can't work through us because we're not good enough, smart enough, pure enough, spiritual enough, whatever we use as a word. Lord, I repent of that for myself and I ask for forgiveness for all of us in that. And I ask, Lord, now that your spirit would pour yourself out in fresh, wonderful, unique ways that we'd understand your power and your presence, that we'd understand how you communicate with us, that we'd understand your gifts and how to give your good gifts liberally to people all around us so that they would know you're thinking of them. You know where they're at and you love them. And that you would help us be a community that allows your spirit to change the heart of our community, our friends, our family, 
Lord, I'm even so bold to ask that you would help us to change our nation because we open to your spirit and we learn to live in the fullness that you want to bring to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship and come receive communion as you want. The next time you think God doesn't want to use you and work through you to give a gift to someone else, the next time you think that you have to cover up because of your sin and hide and deal with it on your own, I want you to remember these images. And I want you to turn to God and let Him flow through you. Because if each and every one of us do that, it doesn't matter what we do on Sunday mornings. That's not going to change people's lives. If each and every one of us lets God flow through us, our friends, our family, our loved ones, our community, our nation will be changed. And it only changes by opening hearts to God. It doesn't change by argument. It doesn't change by answering questions. It changes by experiencing the Holy Spirit pouring out the love of God in your own heart so much that you and all your friends become convicted and convinced that no matter what you do, you're loved. And you're secure in your relationship with God. And it's going to heal marriages. It's going to heal lives. It's going to heal generations. This is what we invite you to be a part of at Quest. This is what I hope all of us will go from these doors and expect God to show up and be real. God bless. If you uh, weren't able to be prayed for for something, we'll hang around if you'd like to receive prayer. Have a great week. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.